Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. Welcome to Summit View. My name is Michael. I'm the lead pastor here, if we've not met before. And I'm so excited that you guys are joining us today, whether here in the room or maybe you're listening to this online later. I hope that you're going to find some life change in the word that God has for you today within this message. Um, We're on our final week of our series that we're calling Love and Marriage. Um, And it's just been a great series. I think we're learning a lot of stuff in this series. We've been looking at how we can be successful with love and marriage. The title is kind of self-explanatory, but by following God's plan for it. You know, people spend so much time preparing and planning for their wedding, but not many people spend the same amount of time and energy planning and preparing for their marriage, which is much more important than the one night And I believe that um, if you haven't listened to these messages, I'd love for you to go back and listen to some of them because I believe you're going to find some good stuff in there that is going to challenge you in some ways but help you grow in every single way. And uh, week one, we looked at the first week of the series, we looked at the, the meaning of marriage. What is marriage all about? What was it meant for? What was it made for? And we learned that marriage is meant to represent our relationship with God. It's supposed to be reflective of our relationship with God. And so we should value it. We should cherish it. We should treat it right. Last week, we looked at um, how to fight fair. So if you and your spouse, maybe, uh, who has some better arguments this week? Because we learned last week that we're not supposed to, we don't need to avoid fights. We just learn, we need to learn to fight fair. We need to learn to avoid the cheap shots. But uh, but that that, that the, the conflict is actually good if we keep it healthy. That the conflict actually grows us if we treat it the right way. If you missed those, you can go back and listen to each one of them on our website or on our podcast. But this week, we're going to be talking from the perspective that it is a competition. (laughs) When it comes to marriage, it is a competition. And uh, stay with me. Where are my competitors in the room? Let me see. First one has your hand up. Okay, cool. Uh, who, who won? I don't know. Uh, all the competitors in the room, you just love to compete. Um, I, I, I don't really find myself being much of a competitive person as I get older. Maybe it's because I just can't keep up. I don't know. But I'm not as competitive as I used to be. I actually, um, I kind of shy away from that. I don't really have much energy for being competitive with people, if I can be honest. But... Um, now, I'm, I'm talking about the, uh, the personality trait here, like you are a competitive person, not necessarily the verb, but personality-wise, being competitive to me is, is pretty draining on it on me, so I try not to do it much, um, except, except when it comes to one faithful game, the game that has been known to destroy families, to rip apart relationships, to mangle marriages. It could be known as the harbinger of death to all things love. I'm talking about Monopoly. <laughs> the game Monopoly. You know, I can tell by your reaction that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody's had one of those Monopoly stories. Everybody knows someone that has been completely destroyed relationally because of, and mentally and emotionally, sometimes spiritually because of the game of Monopoly. 
And like I said, I'm not too competitive. I'm not usually a sore loser, but I do remember this one time. I do remember this one time. I bought this version of Monopoly that wasn't the normal version. It was, um, I, apparently there's tons of different versions out there now. I don't know. I'm just used to the regular one. So I bought this version that seemed like, hey, it might be pretty cool. It was called Monopoly Cheaters Edition. Um, it was not cool, by the way. I should have known that before I bought it that I was going to hate it. Because uh, I'm very like, <laughs> if you saw me adjust my stand, I got some laughs. I'm very like rule-based, like... I bought this, and I should have known not to. Sparks were just bound to fly from the name. And, and so I take it home, and Cassie's brothers, Devin and DeMarco, they're staying the night with us that night. Um, and so, of course, I'm on extra good behavior. And uh, we decided to play Monopoly Cheaters Edition. And the whole premise of Cheaters Edition, if you've not played it before, is it's like regular Monopoly, except there are some secret cheat cards like that you draw, and it'll tell you you'll get rewarded if you cheat in a certain way. So it's like you might be able to, if you steal a property, you get extra money, or you steal some money here, you get extra money on top of that. Like you try to cheat, you advance your, your piece like one square with nobody noticing, and um, the, the catch is if you get caught, you have to go to jail, but if you don't get caught, you get rewarded once you've announced it. And uh, if you successfully perform that cheat, you get rewarded. So little did I know, though, Apparently in Monopoly Cheaters Edition, some people don't actually care to follow the rules. I know, of Cheaters Edition. And I know what you're thinking. It's Cheaters Edition. You're supposed to break the rules. Yes, but you're supposed to break the rules in a very specific way that the rules say you can break the rules, okay? You're just supposed to, and you're supposed to pay attention to your cheat cards, and, and break the rules that way. You just can't go willy-nilly however you want and just bring chaos to the game whatever way you can think of in the moment. So about 30 minutes into the game, Cassie and Devin and DeMarco and I are playing this game, and I look over at Cassie's stack of money, and this thing is ginormous. And she's terrible at Monopoly, so I know something's wrong. Like it's, and, and I start... You know, I, I process the game through my head and I start wondering how in the world she got all that money because her money wasn't matching up with her moves. You know what I mean? Some of us are like that in life. Their money's not matching. That's called selling drugs, everybody. Your money doesn't match up with you. Anyway, um, sorry, I'm on one today, y'all. Welcome to Summit View. A couple weeks ago, I just was talking about smoking weed. It's great. Um, whatever, go back and listen to that, week one. Uh, I don't do it anymore, just to let everybody know. I used to, though. Used to. But the moves that she was making weren't adding up to the amount of money that she had in that stack. And so I looked at my own stack, and I look at, and my stack is smaller. Like it has shrunk because I keep up with my dollar bills, but apparently not too well. And, and so I look at Cassie and I said, have you been stealing money from my stack? And she just starts laughing like a maniac. Like chaotic laughter, just the kind that you hear in your nightmares. Like, just crazy. And she admits to stealing my money like she's bragging about it. Like, yeah, I did. I did. I did it. You see, the, I, I'm, a, I'm a better cheater than you. And I get a little aggravated that my money was being stolen. That was the first thing. I was like, you st- you're stealing my money. And, uh, and, I, and I, the, real, the bad fact was I didn't even notice it. So I asked her, did your cheat cards tell you to steal my money? And she says, what's a cheat card? <laughs> what? What's a cheat card? We're pl- mm. 
So, of course, I did what any grown man would do, especially with their younger brother-in-law staying over the night when he loses at a board game with his family. I turned in my money, and I went upstairs. (laughs) And I haven't played Monopoly since. (laughs) So, listen, I got my... (laughs) I got my faults. I've got my faults. Everybody does. Usually competitiveness is not one of them. That night was a whole different case. And uh, maybe you're someone that's like me and you aren't too big on the whole make everything competitive thing. Or maybe you are big on that. And maybe you're the kind of person that turns everything into a competition. Who can get to the car first? Who can get out the door first? Who can run away from changing the baby's diaper first? Who can, you know, (laughs) take that baby Maybe you're the person who doesn't love competition. I'm going to try to change your mind this morning. Because by the end of the day, I want you to love competition in your marriage. But maybe you are the competitive person. And congratulations, today your toes might not be stepped on. Because my, my, my goal this morning is to get, convince you to love to compete with your spouse. I want you to love it. I want you to love to compete with them. And you might have heard that competition is unhealthy or unproductive. And yes, I'll admit in many cases that's the truth. That it needs to be not competitive in your marriage. But this morning, I want you to walk out of here. And I hope that you, I have you race into your car first to see who's going to get there. Not because I want you to beat your spouse, but because I want you to win with your spouse. And there are actually some things that the Bible guides us to compete towards. And I promise you this, if both you and your spouse or maybe you and your boyfriend or your girlfriend will both continually compete in these ways to outdo one another, your relationship will never be healthier than it's, than it's, than it's been. Like it'll never be healthier than that and it'll have longevity that you might never have thought possible. Romans chapter 12, verse, starting in verse 9 going through verse 11 says this, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I want you to zealously compete with your spouse. Be devoted to them and demonstrate it. Here's what I want you to know today. This is the the big idea. That competition with your spouse is healthy when you compete in the right areas. You can take that, write it down on your notes card there, your message notes that were in your seat as you came in. Competition with your spouse is healthy when you compete in the right areas. So here are some right areas that you can compete in together. We'll call this the bait and switch. Number one, compete to honor one another. Compete to honor one another. You know, I believe that this is one of the most needed, most neglected actions in our country today. There is a severe lack of honor. Not just for your spouse, I mean for, we're talking to everybody. There's a lack of honor for your teachers. There's kids that are, that are getting filmed going viral on TikTok for just standing up and ripping their teacher a new one. There's talking back to your parents. He's, Linda, Linda, you've seen the video. Anyway, um... This is needed in America. There's a, there's a huge deficit in the, lack, uh, in, the, in the culture of honor here in America. Now, honor is not the same thing as approval. There's a distinction. 
And here's why I share it, because it's possible to honor somebody that you don't agree with. You don't have to agree with them to honor them. Now, when it comes to your spouse, I'm going to tell you, husbands, you better agree with your wives or else. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just trying to save you. Don't worry. Um, I, but, I'm, but I'm talking about, like, you, need, you cannot agree with people and still honor them, like uh, teachers, leaders, bosses, government. Yeah, I said the G word in church. Watch out. It's not going there, okay? We're, well, I'm not bringing in politics. I don't care who you voted for. But here's what I care about. Are you praying for whoever's in office now? Whether it's your local, your state, your national government, the Bible commands us to pray for them. I don't care if you agree with them or not. If they're making bad decisions, you need to pray for them more. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. The Bible doesn't tell us how to honor the, uh, the Bible doesn't tell us to honor those that we agree with. It says to honor everyone. In fact, this is how it says it in one spot in the Bible. Philippians chapter 2 Verses 3 and 4 out of the English Standard Version says, Do nothing from selfish ambition, what am I even saying? Selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What is the key to honor? Humility. The key to honor is being humble. Counting others is more significant than ourselves. Letting others take the front seat in place of our own. King David, most people, most people in here might know who he is. You might have known him as, as David, the guy who slayed the giant with the big sling and the stone. Most everybody knows that story. He slung a rock and uh, took Goliath down. <clears throat> he wasn't always king. And actually, before he was crowned king, there was another king in front of him named King Saul. And you might not have known this, but King Saul tried to kill David, not once, but multiple times. King Saul tried to take David's life. Um, and yet David refused to speak a word against him. And we're talking about people that trashed us on Facebook. And we can't let it go. And yet we got... King David here, that wasn't quite king yet. Somebody tried to actually, king, it says King Saul tried to pin him to the wall with a spear. Through, I mean, you ever, listen, I promise you I'm never going to chuck a spear at you across the room, but what if I did? You know, you'd have a hard time letting it go, but not David. David said, I don't, I don't care what, he, what he's going to do to me. My honor is not reflective of his actions towards me. My honor is reflective of my heart towards God. And so he wouldn't speak a bad word against him because he knew King Saul was who God had put in place at the time. He stayed silent. In fact, he sentenced one guy to death because he spoke bad about King Saul um, as, as he was killed. This applies, though, to your work. This applies to your school. This applies to your city. This applies to your country. We're supposed to honor those that God has put in authority over us. But man, does it apply so much more in our marriages and our relationships? The people that are closest to you should be the most highly honored people in your lives. And I want you to start competing with your spouse for who can show the most honor towards the other one. Who can consider the one, them more significant than yourself the most? Many times, 
Honor reveals itself when that other person is no longer in the room. You know, lack of honor does too, though. So how do you speak about your spouse when they're not around? When it's just you and the boys or when it's just you and the girls, when you're, most, when you're in your most comfortable setting apart from your spouse, what kind of conversations are you having about them? Do you say good things about them to other people? Don't hop on the train of bashing your husband or bashing your wife because everybody else is doing it. Listen, I've been to those parties. You want to be a rebel? Do this. Instead of, ha- instead of bashing it with everybody else, be the one that says, I don't know, I can't understand that because my spouse is awesome. My husband's awesome. My wife's awesome. I can't understand what you're talking about. Go one step further and say, I'm sorry I can't be in this room. If you're going to dishonor your spouse like that, I don't know if we can be the friends that, that I thought we were. It is that important. And ladies, I'm going to help you out. All right? Y'all listen in. I'm going to give you the best piece of advice that you can hold on to for the rest of your lives if you want to understand a man. What a man truly wants at the core of his being, it's not more gifts. It's not that new truck. Sorry, guys, if you're asking for it. It's not more physical intimacy. The key to unlocking the best version of your man is knowing that the deepest desire of their heart is to feel respected by you. It's honor. The key to unlocking a man's heart is honor. That's what they want. They just want to know that you respect them. So the next time that you want to do something that might emasculate them as a man, don't. Choose to honor them instead. The next time that you want to say, you know what, I'm just going to call my dad to come fix it. Don't, okay? Don't do that. Can I get up in your business today? Don't worry, ladies. Your husband's going to get it on the next point. Okay, we're going to go there. But I promise you this, that an honored husband is worth much more than a repaired washer. If, if that means that you let your husband give it a go with the risk of it getting worse, then that is worth the cost. Because I promise you this, he will, if it breaks, he will work his tail off to make sure you get another one. That's just the way we're wired. Don't go run into your parents first to fix your problems without first taking it to your spouse and showing them honor. Don't you go getting advice from your mama before you go and get it from your man. Don't go calling daddy to fix it without first giving your husband a shot. Like you might decide together, hey, we're going to call somebody, but that's okay. But decide it together. You want to show your spouse honor. Not just a woman to a man, but a man to a woman too. So here's some practical things that I'll share with you about how to compete to show honor to your spouse or honor to your boyfriend, honor to your girlfriend. Here's some things for you. You can write these down. I left some blanks there, like some open space if you want to write them down. Consider their feelings over your own. Listen, it might make you feel good, but they might hate it. They're more important. Consider their feelings over your own. Say good things about them to other people. Post about them on social media. Like give them the shout out. Send them flowers to the office. If they work from home, this doesn't work as well. <laughs> Go pick them flowers from the yard. I don't know. I'm, guys, I'm just going to tell you, you, you guys want to score. 
send some flowers to let your spouse be celebrated publicly by other people, and it's going to be a good night, okay? So I'm just leaving it there. I'm just saying. It's going to be good. Finally, say good things to them about them. Like, tell them. If you think good things about them, tell them. If you think bad things about them, don't tell them. But we neglect to do this really often. And you might justify this by telling yourself, well, they already know that. They already know I love them. They already know this. They might know that, but they might need a reminder. Honor them. Compete to honor one another. See who can out-honor each other. I'd love to see it. And you'll probably end up like the Brady Bunch, just a perfect little family. Everyone's just happy all the time and no problems. No, that won't happen. But could be close. Compete to honor one another. Number two, compete to submit to one another. Compete to submit to one another. There's a difference between honor and submission. Honor has to do with how you treat someone. Submission has everything to do with how you respond to someone. Honor is attitude. Submission is action. Submission means to to accept or to yield to the will of another person. This is what the Bible says about it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Big marriage verse here. Like every wedding, I mean, you just, you go to a wedding, this is what you hear. Big marriage term too though. Submit. And a lot of people take the next verse here uh, and they focus on it. But they forget what verse 21 says that we just read. So, so what happens is, and I'm paraphrasing here, verse 22 says, for wives to submit to their husbands because the husband is the head of the home, just like Jesus is the head of the church. And after that, it goes, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church, giving himself up for her. You know, there's a lot of husbands out there, and I can say this because I myself am a husband. There's a lot of husbands out there, and this isn't, it's not offensive if I say it because I am one, right? Okay, so there's a lot of husbands out there that want the whole submit to your husband thing, but they refuse to do the whole love your wife like Jesus, giving yourself up for her thing. And you can't have one without the other. You can't, you can't separate the, tr- the, the two. If we're going to use the Bible as a measuring rod, then we need to use the whole Bible. Husbands, if you want a wife that submits to you, they better have a husband that gives up their, your personal preference for them. Submission here is not just one way. Verse 21, submit to one another. Submit to one another. Compete with each other to see who can submit to the other one. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, submit to your wives. And that means this. The key word here is called compromise. Compromise. I'm sorry if it isn't your favorite thing to do. Do it anyway. I'm sorry if, this isn't your, if that isn't your favorite place to eat. Eat there anyways. I'm sorry if it is something that you really want to do, but maybe you need to hold back from doing it. It's all about compromise. It's all about submitting to one another. The value that your spouse feels is directly connected to your willingness to submit to them. When you submit, you're showing, I value you more than I value this. Will you give up your personal preference if it means having a fulfilled spouse? 
Will you submit to each other in the area of your parenting? That means that in the end, the decision that you have is one that you've agreed on together. And, and, and this will help you because the kids can't play the mommy versus daddy game if both of you have already discussed it and you've already, you're on the same page. They can't play mommy and daddy. And listen, if they come to you and you haven't talked about it yet, make them wait until you do. Say, hey, let us talk about that. I'll get back to you. They can wait. They waited their whole lives to ask that question. They can wait a few more minutes, okay? Get on the same page with your spouse. Compete to make sure that your spouse gets their way all the time. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. If both of us are doing that, no one's ever going to decide. Wouldn't it be so much better than the debates that you're having today? The debates that you have today are because you want your way and they want their way. Wouldn't it be so much better to argue about, but I want you to have your way. And they're like, but I want you to have your way. Isn't that just a better family? Like, I appreciate those kind of arguments much, much more. Prefer them. Submit to them. Compete to serve one another. Or compete to submit to one another. I just gave you a spoiler. Number three. Compete to serve one another. Compete to serve one another. Let me tell you something. Your spouse could care less about how you feel in your heart if you never express it. Everybody's looking real crazy right now. We're gonna, have, we're gonna start let, having people come up and uh, so at the end of the experience today, you can, guys can receive prayer if you want because I believe that God's gonna move in our hearts. So don't worry, they're not up here to stare you down or to bore into your soul. But here's, they could, your spouse could care less about how you feel in your heart if you never express it. Serving one another is love expressed. Who can show the other one that you love them more? I love Cassie more, by the way, just to throw that out there. She'll, she'll tell you otherwise, but she's not out here. But I know that I win. Funny story, off, off subject. Um, I don't know if anyone else does this, but Cassie and I, we love to argue about which one of us is gonna die first. Like, I know it seems morbid, but listen, it sounds, well, that sounds a lot like plotting murder, actually. Not, okay, uh, all my haters listening to the podcast, I'm not murdering my wife. Okay, but I don't mean it like that. It's the other way around. We, we both always say like, no, I'm dying first. I'm dying first because we, I can't imagine living my life without her. That's where you say, oh, no, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't say but, but But we always kind of compete like, no, I'm gonna die first. And we finally, we've come to an agreement with Jesus that if one of us dies, the other one needs to go along like with him. Anyway, but I love her more. So, who can serve the other person more? Who can serve your spouse more? Who can serve your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whatever? Who can serve them more? Here's what the Bible says about serving. Galatians 5, chapter 5, verse 13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your, fr- your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another humbly in love. You could do all of these things. 
You can do all of these things, all these different things. You have the freedom in your marriage. You can, you can do all these things. You can choose to go out with the boys. You can choose to go out with the girls. You can choose to do all these things. But instead of doing all those things, the Bible says, choose out of your freedom to serve one another. Out of your freedom, serve one another in love. If you love them, prove it to them. Serve your spouse and serve your spouse first. Serve them first. Parents, let me tell you, and when I say serving, I'm not just talking about like the dinner plate. I'm talking about in life. Like, hey, who's going to get to the car first so they can open the door for the other one? Like, who's going to get to the restaurant first, the door first, so you can hold that door open as the other one goes through? Serve your spouse Serve them first. Parents, let me step into your business just for a moment. Your kids can't come before your spouse. That's not the way that God designed it. I know it's ruffling your feathers right now, but that's, that's just not the way. God comes first, then your spouse, and then your kids. That's how God designed it. And here's what, here's what I see. We have so many empty nesters who are splitting up and getting divorced because for 18 to 25, maybe 30 years, they put the focus on serving the kids and loving the kids. And now the house is too quiet because the kids moved out and you don't even know who you're living with anymore. Serve your spouse first because when the kids are gone, they're still gonna be there. You need to know who you're married to. You need to make sure you're prioritizing your spouse first. Love them first, prioritize them first, serve them first, and serve them with passion. Serve them with zeal. Who can take out the trash first? Who can wash the dishes first? Who can clean the other one's car first? Oh, you want dinner? Oh, okay, I'll cook. Oh, I know I just cooked. I'll clean it up too. You go sit down, I'll wash the dishes. That's what it sounds like. Some of, you, some of you ladies have never heard that before in your life. <laughs> take, their car when, take their car when they don't know it and go fill their gas tank up for them. Give them the foot rub you've been trying to get out of. <laughs> Hoping they forget. I know you. Do something to serve your spouse and, and keep doing things to serve your spouse. Could you imagine this for a minute? What would your marriage look like if you and your spouse continually looked for ways to serve one another? What would that look like? What would your relationship look like if you looked for opportunities instead of excuses? Listen, I'm too tired doesn't hold up in the court of love when you say the same thing every single night. You can take that about talking about the chores or you can take it the other way. You're called to serve your spouse and both of you are called to together serve Jesus. Ladies, I'm going to speak to you just because this is usually the case. Your husband doesn't want anything to do with church. Your husband doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. You know the remedy? Serve the heck out of them. Serve them on another level. Love them with a next level kind of love. 
And you keep on serving your husband. You keep on loving your husband on another level. And eventually, he's going to see the change that Jesus is making in you. The Bible says that the believing wife sanctifies the husband. Keep on believing. Keep on serving. Keep on loving. If you love them well, eventually, he's going to end up sitting right here beside you, soaking in everything that God is wanting to say to him. You don't even have to say it. Just love him well. Serve him well. Same thing goes for husbands. If, you're, if your wife doesn't want to come to church, do the same. Love him well. Serve him well. And eventually, you're going to see the fruit of your labor. When they sit in here on a Sunday morning, and you, you sneak a peek and see their hands shoot up that they want to choose Jesus with their life, Every bit of pain is worth it. I promise you every bit of suffering that you're going through right now will be worth it. Listen. Wives, if you love him well now, he'll lead you well later. Compete to see who can outserve one another. It is fun. It's fun. And it, it'll take your marriage or your relationship to the next level. Because competition with your spouse is healthy when we compete in the right areas. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.